Welcome to another edition of What the Cross Means to Me, devotional program. This is your host, Rob Holt, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It's good to be with you as we contemplate fresh perspectives on the meaning of the cross. I am not a theologian, but I am a photographer of over 30 years. And if a picture says a thousand words, then yes, I guess you could say I preach the glory of our Creator by capturing, illustrating, and sharing what the Creator has created. My mission is to share the gospel through my imagery, the spoken word, and the written word. This radio program fulfills the spoken part, and the imagery utilized for this devotional are of a singular cross on a lonely hill shot over a two-year period. The written word for this program is from a book I published about that cross collection. It matches 30 images of the cross with 30 original essays from a wide spectrum of Christian leaders sharing their insights on the cross. The book shares the same name as this program, What the Cross Means to Me, by Harvest House Publishers. And each week we read one of the essays and ponder the wider meaning of the cross through the lens of Scripture. This week's essay is The Empty Cross by Tim LaHaye. Tim LaHaye is a renowned prophecy scholar, minister, and educator. He conceived the Left Behind series and worked on it with Jerry Jenkins and co-authored more than 80 books, including Charting the End Times, Exploring Bible Prophecy from Genesis to Revelation. He received a Doctor Divinity in Ministry from Western Seminary, I assume that's what it means, is D-M-I-N, and a L-I-T-D-D from Liberty University. His website is timlahay.com. So with that, let's begin and read the essay, The Empty Cross by Tim LaHaye. Several years ago, I wrote a book entitled The Power of the Cross, showing the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in the lives who bend their knees before the cross and by faith receive the finished work of Christ for their sins. In preparation for the writing, I interviewed more than 200 people from all walks of life who were wearing a cross. Actually, I found it the most popular piece of jewelry in our day. I asked these person two questions. One, why do you wear the cross? And two, what does it mean to you? The answers I received were amazing. No one took offense. Everyone had a reason for wearing it. Some cross wearers had no idea what it meant and said so. Some wore it as just a piece of jewelry. One man said, my grandmother gave it to me for Christmas. And since I'm on my way to visit her, I thought I'd better wear it. Many gave me very meaningful responses. For example, the young school teacher who held her cross on a gold chain in her hand and said with tears, it means everything to me. Jesus, who hung on that cross for my sins, died and rose again the third day. He heard my cry for forgiveness and saved me. It is through him that this cross represents that I have assurance I will go to heaven someday. I couldn't have said it better, for that is what the cross means to me. Everything. 
On our seventh wedding anniversary, my wife Beverly gave me a black onyx ring with a gold cross on it. I have worn it now for over 40 years as a visible symbol of the most important event of my life when I asked the resurrected Christ of that cross to forgive my sin and save me. Today, I credit the thousands of blessings in my life to him for not only saving me, but also for guiding my life. And that is the important reason I prefer an empty cross to a crucifix. I never fault those who wear a crucifix because they obviously are sincere and want to be reminded of the one who died for them. While that is admirable, if Christ had not risen from the dead, we would be, as Paul said, yet in our sins. The empty cross reminds us not only of Jesus' crucifixion, but it's also a visual reminder that he rose triumphant over death and the tomb and is ready and available to guide us in the many decisions we make in our daily lives. Jesus lives. We do not worship a dead Savior, but one who is alive and at the right hand of God making intercession for us. One who not only saved us, but is willing to guide us as we make the decisions of life. Yes. The empty cross means everything to me. That ends the essay, The Empty Cross, as written and submitted by Tim LaHaye, and included in What the Cross Means to Me. There's a poem accompanying the essay by A.W. Tozer that says, We must do something about the cross, and one of two things only can we do. Flee it or die upon it. The photo... On the other side of the essay is the firmament, which is a close-up, wide-angle image of the cross just after sunset. And the colors of the thin clouds are of the deepest of pinks and purples and amber, one of the richest mix of sunset colors in the Magi Cross collection. The location is the second, or intermediate, site of the cross. The theme of this week's essay is... The Empty Cross. And it touches on the core essence of my book and subject of this devotion, what the cross means to me. And it elicits a question to the reader and to the listener of this program. What does the cross mean to you? And it is what I write inside the cover when I sign the book to someone. I sign a question. I put their name and then I write, what does the cross mean to you? And I always accompany a verse underneath my name signature, which says, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, I don't spell all that out. I just sign my name and put Romans 8.28. <laughs> but I elaborate for your benefit because there's a tie-in to that verse to that question. Now, I'd like to say that that scripture was inspired by my perception when God took my wife home early, or that I was inspired by other ground-shaking events that I've lived through. And while, yes, it applies, the reason I use that verse is because of my grandfather, the one who was born in South Africa to missionary parents, the one whose father, my great-grandfather, 
died of the Spanish influenza in 1918. My grandfather was two years old at that time. And for all of my childhood into young adulthood, before my grandfather passed away, he would always sign my birthday cards and Christmas cards with that scripture. And the meaning or interpretation of the intention Paul had when he penned it has brought peace to me when I face challenging times. And you never know what something as simple as a scripture reference can make in the life of another, especially a child. I'm not sure what inspired my grandfather to start using it, but my intuition is that he may have got it from his father, John Ingham, missionary to the Transvaal region. And now it continues. I use that verse when I send cards to special people in my life, my family, my friends. As I mentioned, it is also what I sign with every book, my book on the cross, what the cross means to me, a book that may sit in somebody's library for years or possibly generations. And only God knows who may come across it someday and how they may be affected by that scripture reference. So let's bring the two aspects of what I sign each book with. I write what does the cross mean to you? And then let's look at my Romans 8.28 reference as a suggested subliminal answer. Yes, I just disclosed the circuitous route that scripture came to me and through me, my grandfather. So it may be a God thing that I am shaping or nudging the direction of the person processing the question. What does the cross mean to you? Why? I want the reader to ponder the perception that because of the cross, all things we go through can be good and turn out good for us and for the kingdom of heaven through our life. Sometimes something good may come of it later, or it may make us a better person, a better Christian, or it allows us a great testimony to encourage others with. Just look at the day Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross was probably the worst day any of those who knew and followed Jesus could go through. But what is the name given to that day? Yes, Good Friday. And so it is in our life. We choose how to react to the situations we face. Or, as some put it, what is happening to me? Or what happened to me? Meaning sometimes when someone has something considered negative in life to work through and to live through, They choose to look at the situation as something nebulous being done to them, possibly for some nefarious reason, or that they are unlucky, or from the mythical Greek god perspective, uh, just because the gods can do that to them just for fun. But there are some that say that there's a lot of stinking thinking in that perspective, and we should be careful how we choose to react to every situation. Chuck Swindoll once said, life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. Actually, I think it's more like 5% and 95%. But no matter what it is, if we are not aware, we can fall into the holy, unholy. Yes, we can fall into the unholy trinity of senses, emotions, and mind-based thoughts. To guard against this, we should strive to always walk in the spirit or as often as possibly walk in the spirit keeping a more heavenly and eternal perspective. As I mentioned in last week's episode, getting to and continuing to walk in the Spirit will realign your perspectives of everything in this earthly realm that we are currently living through or will live through. In other words, keeping our eternal reference of heaven in our conscious awareness continually helps us not to focus on the earthly situations that can cause others to be stressed, 
angry, or worse, bitter. Like Good Friday, remember that in Christ, and again because of the cross, good can always come out of bad. One tangible example for this devotion is when I lost my wife to cancer. I had no time to prepare myself or to be able to say goodbye as she was here one day and gone the next. I never, as they say, questioned God or became bitter, not even for one second. Instead, I started a contemplative quest to feel what I felt when she flatlined. The glimpse into eternity I saw in a third-eye internal vision where I felt the presence of God and connection with her in heaven. The quest manifested for me in chasing sunsets as a way to tap in to additional little glimpses of heaven, to taste even momentarily or once every few days or once every few weeks to sense her spirit and the God who gently took her hand from mine. I simply wanted to sit and soak in a sunset as long as possible as often as possible. That was the mindset that led me to a hill with a cross on it, and one that I made my secret place, my hidden place, to be truly alone, but truly connected to the Trinity. Then I began shooting the cross, and over a few years, the cross collection emerged. I then created a 20-piece gallery show that toured across four western states. I had a book published, and Harvest House set up over 30 radio interviews six appearances on television shows. And after circling back to this collection with evangelical passion, I now have a blog and a podcast touching thousands of souls for the kingdom of God. Lord willing, new books will be published and new videos, like the one you can find on my site, will be created and released soon. The picture I'm trying to paint with that description of what the quest led me to and is leading me towards was because God chose to usher her home ahead of us. The artistic collection and current way I'm able to evangelize with it would not exist if my wife had not passed. Would I give it all up to have her back? Yes, that is not how life in this plane or on this earth works. But the other hidden truth is that if I would have been bitter, none of it would have come to fruition. Now in last week's episode regarding infinity at its best, we touched on the physics of time and how God was before the creation of the universe. But all we really have knowledge of this universe is from the Big Bang. It filters how we perceive the nature of the full spectrum and dual nature of light. In other words, light is both a particle and a wave. What does it do? How does it travel? Well, picture, if you will, the letter S on its side or an elongated W. All waves in different shapes due to its rise time oscillate up and down, down and up and up and down, over and over and over again for eternity. For infinity, Selah. The application is that our existence and awareness of ourselves in this universe is underpinned by light. Think about that. Yes, there is dark matter, but since we haven't a clue about what that is yet, let's focus on the spectrum of light. Light from the star of our solar system allows us to see with our eyes the visible part of the spectrum. As I shared last week, the slice of visible light within the full spectrum of our star is tiny. It's a sliver, and so is the audible slice. Point is, we see and hear because of light waves. Waveforms also affect our other senses as well. We smell because we have receptors in our nose that detect a frequency emanating from either a warm apple pie or a cow patty. 
our sense of touch, are waves that travel through our nerves to the brains and back to a particular part of our body. Similarly, our signals from receptors or sensors on our tongue that send a communicative wave to our brain. The point is, everything undergirding our existence is built on waves. And what is that up and down pulse doing? Is it not bouncing between polar opposites over and over again? Like each end of a battery, positive and negative, just like everything else in our life. Summer and winter, day and night, hot and cold, awake and asleep. And to my point, love and hate, happy or sad, sleepy or rested, hungry or full. Once you understand this core eternal principle of our current existence, you can see past situations much easier. Why? Because these waves move so fast in our life that positive and negative happen at the same time. If you do not have a day of being awake, positive, without a period of rest, negative, you can become seriously unhealthy pretty quick. So let me repeat this. Life is positive and negative happening at the same time. Selah. You get laid off but find a better job. You put your dog down but win the lottery. My point is, life is about good and bad happening at the same time. Why is it we only focus on and only recall the negative times and negative issues of our life so much? Why is it that so many unnaturally chase only the positive and go to great lengths to avoid the negative, only to find their lives completely out of balance and ultimately out of control? Some chase alcohol or drugs to be high, to avoid the negative aspects of life they were intended to live and learn through. Well, it is interesting. If you picture a horizontal graph, a line, picture one point, one degree above the line, picture one point, one degree below the line. Our life is meant to oscillate through each point over and over again. And if you graph this, it makes the wave symbol. But if this person is avoiding that point one degree below the line, and by going two or three degrees above with, say, alcohol, then no matter how they resist, they will break through the line into the negative territory. And this time, not one degree, but maybe two, three, or four degrees below the baseline, like a hangover. So this person tries to get high again, but this time, because there are so many more degrees below the line, they must travel more territory to get to that place of highness they were at before. And then they're off to the races, for lack of a better phrase, with their life totally out of balance. They are robbed of the potential for any kind of peace of mind. And in some situations can become unhealthy, both physically and mentally and emotionally. I understand it is human nature, but as Christians, we don't chase the extremeness of my example. However, sometimes we can fall into habit or routines that get us out of balance as well. Therefore, we do need to die to ourselves daily and live in the spiritual side of who we are. When we do, it allows us to look at everything different and how we live and react to the things in our life. Because, as the phrase goes, as above, so below. It affects every singular moment of life and across weeks and months, and it keeps you from getting discouraged during downtimes or sad during times of our life. Because if we stay aware of this construct, we know that good can happen at any moment. So when times are causing you to feel down or sad, just remember something good can happen at any moment. It keeps you from staying discouraged. Look at a baseball player. If his batting average is over time is 30%, but he has been in a 10% slump recently, then he can be encouraged every time he's at bat because he knows he's overdue for a hit. 
Now, on the other hand, this eternal awareness should keep us from being overconfident or prideful or fall into a sense of false pride when it seems that all things in your life are going good. Because, as we've been discussing, what we refer to as bad or negative can happen at any moment. So stay on guard. Stay humble. Always trusting God for the provisions of your life. Live as if you are not overly blessed and be a good steward of that situation while it lasts. With that in mind, let's get back at the book, my scripture, signature, and the essay. Tim LaHaye, after sharing some cursory observations about the answers from 200 crosswares, shared his personal story. He described a young school teacher who shared how much the cross meant to her, that it reminds her that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for her, to be able to hear her when she asks for forgiveness and healing, and that this affects everything, and that the cross means everything to her. Then Tim shared his perspective of the positive yet subtle meaning of the bare, empty cross as opposed to the crucifix, which means a cross with the body of Christ still on it, and that the bare cross speaks to, in other words, makes a hat tip to, the resurrection of Jesus. That not only is Jesus not on the cross anymore, but he is not in the tomb anymore either. And that he shares and agrees with the perspective of the school teacher that the cross means everything to him. So, we have two themes to today's episode. Everything and eternity. Let's bring them together with some points from last week's episode. If Jesus was with God before the creation of the universe, and because of his sacrifice on the cross and our salvation then our spirit has the ability to tap into eternity and be with him there in eternity already while our mind and bodies are still here in this space and time. The acceptance of this and the awareness of it changes everything about everything. If Jesus died so we can be with him in eternity, then nothing we go through here on earth should ever discourage us again. Sure, we get sad when we lose a loved one, But as I was just mentioning regarding our existence is built on waves, then death is as much part of life as birth. And even when I grieve through the death of a loved one, I filter it through the lens of eternity and heaven. It changes everything. You can too. Just believe it today. If you are having a hard time with these concepts, then allow me to encourage you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you around these perspectives today. And read. Read the Bible more. And in the light of the concept shared, if you haven't been reading, might I encourage you to read the Bible more today. If you have been reading it five minutes a day, then step it up to ten. If you've been reading for half an hour, make time to increase it to an hour today. Getting it may take a while or even a lifetime. And even then, we won't fully understand it all until we are on the other side of glory. But we can try, yes? In the Old Testament, we find in Deuteronomy 4.29, But if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him, if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. King David in Psalms 106.4 says, Look to the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. Isaiah 55.6, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while you can find him. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 16, 11, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. 
Search for the Lord and for his strength continually seek him. Remember, everything passes away, but God will never change. Keep seeking. Patient endurance will obtain everything. And everything is what the theme of this cross essay is today. The school teacher and Tim LaHaye both say the cross means everything to them. That sounds great, but what does it really mean? Isn't it extremely vague? Well, we know that after they pierced Jesus' side with a long spear, they took his body off the cross. However, it seems that something may have remained on the empty cross. Hmm. I see in Colossians 2.14, it says, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So, all of the most vile, disgusting, foul, nasty, unpleasant, and horrid sins ever committed, all the spiteful and hurtful actions ever committed, and our sin was placed on and in Jesus. So I contend two things, one of contention and actually one of agreement. First, when they took his body off the cross, all the vile sin and hurt were left on the cross. So I contend it's not truly an empty cross. But that's just my opinion. Second, I agree this does change everything, meaning the truth and impact of it affects everything. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Ephesians 5.13 says, Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. But their evil intentions will be exposed as the light shines on them. The light of a born-again Christian that is walking in the Spirit. Ecclesiastes 3.11 claims, God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And consider that verse regarding the end of days. In Revelation 2.14, which says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So if God has set eternity in the human heart, or we can assume our spirit, and the Bible says that we are already seated with Jesus at the right hand of God, then we know all the hurt, pain, injustice, offense, injury, slander, and suffering we face have already been rectified. It means we do not have to, unless we choose to, focus on the pain of our current situation. We can immediately look past it, knowing that the heat of the moment and the pain of the moment have been resolved and the hurt healed already. This does change everything. It means you no longer, ever again, have to allow yourself to get caught up in the most intense issues of life that you have to deal with. Yes, we must deal with them, but if we walk in this eternal perspective, walking in the Spirit, it can change everything. You can look past the emotions and the pain and know that they have already been taken care of. Once you can get to this place and are free to live in abundance, Move and breathe in joy and peace of mind. On a practical level, does it not say in Isaiah 41.10 that God says he will go before you always? This means we can validate what the school teacher in Tim LaHaye said. Because if God goes before us in every situation, then every situation is now different. Unless, of course, we don't allow his will, we try to overthink it, or we try to control the outcome ourselves. Remember, God is always a step ahead even when life makes us feel we've been left behind. Trust Him. Trust God. Truly trust Him. 
be it a marriage that is going under, a financial trial that you feel is impossible to get ahead of, a pregnancy that never seems to happen, an addiction you seem to not be able to overcome, a dream that never comes to fruition. No matter, he's a step ahead, working on your behalf, even if you can't see it. What a laudable and blessed exchange. You give him all your stress, fear, and emotions of any situation, and God gives you peace of mind, knowing that he is in full control. And the result has already been rectified, redeemed, and remedied. Therefore, leave the concerns of this time for the things of eternity. Choose the things of heaven instead of striving for things of the earth. You'll be free then to focus on his service and becoming a better person, moment by moment, for yourself and for others. And with that, go in grace and may God keep you in his perfect peace. Thanks for listening to What the Cross Means to Me, devotional program heard every week on KKXX Life Radio. If you'd like to view the image discussed, the firmament, along with the other verspirations, then check out Magi Cross on Instagram. And if your church, youth group, or school would like to learn how to fundraise through the Magi Cross products, hear other Cross podcasts, or read further meditative musings on the Cross through my blog, then log on to magicross.com. That is M-A-J-I-C-R-O-S-S dot com.